Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger. Press Coverage, we're looking to bring you sharp guests. We're looking to find the edges to help you become a better fantasy football player uh, and help you win in fantasy. And win in fantasy is a little different this time of year. Uh, we're, we're in the postseason, fellas. This is not like, you know, the grind time. This is the fun time. But we're already starting to plan for 2024. Every single podcast you've listened to this week has been nonstop discussion of all these coaching changes or uh, wild card talk. We're not going to do that today. We're going to mix it up. We're going to do a little, little bit of playoff talk, uh, but we're going to keep it mostly 2024 focused. And I have two good friends with me today and two of the sharper ones out there in Jim Coventry and Alan Soslowski, both of Rotowire. It's a Rotowire invasion right here on press coverage. Guys, welcome in. How are we doing? How, how, let me ask you this, Jim and, and Alan. First question, how's your quality of life? in the quasi off season playoff time versus the grind of like week 16, week 15, week 17. Let's start with you, Jim. Does anything change for you? Um, it's a different level of grind during the regular season. Everything is locked up. This is on Monday. This is on Tuesday. And it's very regimented um, in the playoffs. I grind a lot for the playoffs. I have 30 pages of notes out on the wild card games that I'm giving out to people, but I'm doing it for myself as well. And so it's a different level of work, but there you could take a breath because it's not, everything's not time sensitive. That's... I don't need this by 10 AM this by 11 AM. So yeah, it's refreshing. Did you ever see those uh, movies, Theo, like where there's like uh, someone trying to figure out where the killer is and they have all this crap on the wall and, and thumbtacks and, and yeah. bands? That's Jim. Like the always, the, the always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> meme is Jim. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's Jim Coventry with his uh, wild card notes. And he's sitting in there. And uh, But, you know, it's um, because Rotowire covers all sports, it immediately shifts for us. Like we're already uh, – I know Jim's mostly focused on football. That's what makes him so great at it. But I'm already doing like – prep for baseball not me personally i don't do a lot of fantasy baseball but i do a lot of video work and help our guys and support our guys so the, it hasn't really changed much for me and it's um you know like i said it's uh that's why you have to go marathon pace and not a sprinter's pace when you're working over at rotowire i hear you i i agree with jim though like i'm just thinking about my week like i'll have three articles come out i'll have like three youtube videos and i'll have like four or five podcasts but you don't feel like i the things that like take a lot out of you as a content creator, uh, we don't want to get too niche here. Not a lot of content creators listening, but like the waiver wire material. I disagree with you, by the way, Theo. I think there's a lot of aspiring content creators listening and current content creators. In addition, that's I, a good, that's I a good always point. thought that player profile attracted a lot of people that that do content. But like to Jim's to Jim's point, if I have an article and I'm like, I'm going to get these three articles out, but the waiver wire article is like Sunday night writing. Monday morning writing, no matter what's going on in my life, like I've got to get that done. Now, like Jim said, it's like a little less, it's a little, little more chill. Uh, we we're doing fantasy uh, playoff con uh, content. Uh, that's, that's more relaxed. I'm not worrying about setting lineups. It's one set it and forget it for most of these content uh, contests, but definitely, definitely a, a great time to talk to you guys in a relaxed environment today. We're going to talk about 2024 and do an early mock draft. We're going to rip through these picks. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we can get started uh, with, with that, I have one question for you guys. Every single, bet for better or for worse, this might be poor process on the part of drafters, but the playoffs are always amplified when it comes to ADP. You see guys break out. You see guys have these incredible games. You think back to the Gabe Davis smash game, 
Gabe Davis rose in ADP based on that game. You think of DK Metcalf during his rookie season, and it was warranted. DK Metcalf kind of opened eyes to, oh my God, look at this alpha. Let's draft him next year. A lot of steam for year two, DK Metcalf. I was on a podcast yesterday with Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm, and my player that I think is going to gain the most redraft value based on a fantasy uh, or NFL playoff performance is Devon A-Chain. And the way I look at Devon A-Chain, it's he averages 17 and a half points per game. He has like six top eight weeks at the running back position. The question with him was drafters getting frustrated about the amount of total games he played. But Jim and Allen, if he goes out there and rips off like two 20-point games, uh, then it's very difficult for us not to put him in that 2024 first round uh, discussion to have a guy with that much upside uh, and that much fantasy production when he's out on the field. Now, my question to you guys would be, I'm on A-Chain. Who is the guy that you see that could gain the most value uh, in this NFL playoffs? Let's start with Jim Coventry on this one. Jamison Williams. Okay. In the two games before he hurt his ankle, he had eight targets in each game. But mo- a lot of people were out of their fantasy playoffs. They really didn't see him. The numbers weren't eye-popping. But they're going to play the Rams this week. And look, Laporta probably doesn't play if he plays. I doubt he moves. So that means a bunch of cloud coverage in the middle on Amon Ross St. Brown because Sean McVay knows Goff doesn't want to throw the outside, but he's going to have to. Well, the Rams can't cover the outside, and Jamison Williams plays on the outside, and he's healthy. I think he's going to have a big game, and that's going to make people say, wow, that's the first-round NFL pick that they made, and people are going to be hyped up on him. Jim, I love that answer, and you know what's funny is that was Andrew Cooper's answer as well. No way. Yeah, Andrew was on the same train as you with Jamison and how this is a guy that could gain a lot of steam. You know, I, I told Andrew we're going to change the show title to Andrew Cooper says year three, Jamison Williams is Nico Collins uh, year three. Uh, but, you know, that, obviously we're not expecting that. But I think like Jamison has been knocking on the door usage wise for a really big one. Now with the Laporte injury, I love I love that call. Alan, where are you out on a guy that could gain substantial value uh, in this early NFL playoffs? You know what I like about both of your answers is that it the the question itself says who's going to rise a little bit. You can't say like Kyron Williams because he's already in early mocks going in the first round. So how much? But I still think Isaiah Pacheco can be a first round running back. Okay. Um, I mean, he what he had close to thirty fantasy points. Uh, Ceh is gone next year, and they're going to be in a weather uh, a weather game in that first round. And if Isaiah Pacheco has one hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns, they can't pass the ball right now to anybody besides Rishi Rice. And if we don't see the revival of Travis Kelsey. I think that, you know, if if we could tell ourselves the story that Kyron Williams, a, uh, a, a day three pick is a first round pick. Why can't we do the same for Pacheco? Yeah. And I'll say that the one like high level guy that I think could gain a little bit. And I'm curious your guys thoughts on this one is Jameer Gibbs. It was like Jameer Gibbs, I think, was on a collision course to be potentially RB2 overall in redraft. And then you have the very late season performances of Brees Hall coupled with the Kyron Williams smash game. And now I think he's kind of been like that mix for like RB4, RB5. But guys, you know, Jim, you talked about Jamison Williams. Could this be, in fact, a Jameer Gibbs makes the playoffs his own? They rip off like two wins and Jameer Gibbs goes nuts. Certainly. And we saw the usage flip in the last six weeks where Montgomery is only playing about 35% of the snaps now. So Gibbs has seen the increase in work. So we see a commitment by the team to get him on the field. 
Now, if he has that electrifying performance, and he had some earlier in the year, but the end of the season was kind of down, but you're right. He reestablished himself as both a volume and an electric talent guy if that happens. And can I just tag on to that and say that Gibbs had a disappointing finish, though, for fantasy. I I would put him as someone that had has the most to lose in these fantasy Ooh. playoffs, not gain. Well, I love I love that, Alan. That's a whole that's a whole nother ball game. Want to want to quickly rip through these games, and we're not going to talk Buffalo Pittsburgh. We can both we can all agree that that's going to be a Pittsburgh loss, correct? I don't I don't write off any NFL team in the playoffs, but sure, the ten points uh, insinuates that it's the unlikeliest of all to happen. Make make a note. Alan Soslowski is betting Mason Rudolph money line this weekend in Buffalo. Uh, but let's let's rip through it. So the game. Let's start off with Miami Kansas City. Quickly, who wins? What's a player you have an eye on fantasy wise? Jim Coventry. Look, real quick, I think the weather does Mike McDaniel a huge favor. It's so oh. cold they can't pass, and the favor is he's not going to be able to let Tua put the game on his back. That's mm. what he doesn't want to do. But he has to put the ball in the hands of Mostert and Achan, and I don't think the Chiefs could stop them at any point in time under any scenario because they can't sell out with Tyree Hill. I think Miami pulls the upset 19-13. I, I love that take, Jim. That's the first person I've heard on that running back enthusiasm one that's that's a great take uh, alan where are you at on that I, I like jim's take too it's going to be hard to uh to because i hadn't that's a unique uh perspective that you're forcing to a not to screw up right uh i i still think that uh, i'm not writing off the chiefs until they show me that then they can't do it in the playoffs i know that's kind of like the chalk uh take but it is patrick mahomes in the playoffs i mean just think about this if the if if they need if miami needs one score at the end of the game to win the game and they kick it off, and it's two on the 15-yard line. Do you have any <laughs> confidence he's going to be able to pull that off, right? Uh, so I don't think that it's going to be a blowout, obviously. It's going to be a tight game. Uh, I would still take the Chiefs. But, yeah, I have no confidence in Tua in these conditions. Plus, the everybody knows about the banged-up Miami defense. Yeah, and and I'm I'm with I'm with Allen on this one. I, I like earlier in the week I was on Miami. But, Jim, we see this. Vegas is telling us the line movement. Line movement's moving hard towards KC, and it's going to be like five degrees during the game. So I'm going to go KC, but I'm going to say it's nobody really shines. I'll say Harrison Butker. It's a Harrison Ooh. Butker game with a similar <laughs> score by, like the gym gave us. And Harrison let's butt, butt kicker, we call him. Real yeah, quick. Go for it. Go for it. Vic Fangio does have a compromise. Even Remember, he coached in that AFC West with Denver, and he gave Mahomes a lot of trouble. And what he'll do is now no Jalen Phillips, uh, no Bradley Chubb. He'll dial up creative blitzes. And I think in this game, he doesn't like the shadow Ramsey. But I think in this one and done in the playoff hypersensitive, hyper game plan, he either puts him on Rice or he puts him on Kelsey and lets the rest of the defense do their thing. But like you guys said, great game. This is why you follow Jim Coventry and the work that he puts out. That kind of like take, Jim. That's why that's why you're a real one, and you continually drop hits after hit. You're talking Vic Fangio and his impact on the game. Try finding that on another podcast this week, guys. <laughs> uh, let's keep this one going. Detroit, LA. This is my favorite game of the week. I don't need to like dive into it too much. I mean, for us, we're gonna do a two round real quick rookie uh, redraft uh, draft for 2024. We're going to say several players' names on that. We're going to end up saying Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, we're going to end up saying Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua. They're all playing in the same game. And you get the wonderful storyline of Matt Stafford revenge game, where Matt Stafford holds every single record in Detroit. He's well-loved by Detroit Lions fans. And now he's going in there. They're a short favorite. It's like a three-point game. 
one of the highest totals on the board. It is going to be electric. Jim, who wins the game, and who do you want to keep an eye on fantasy-wise? I'm worried about the special teams for the Rams because they are horrible across the board and it could cost them a game. Aside from that, I think the Rams pulled this one off 31-24. Look, the Lions can't cover outside receivers at all full stop. And I believe they can move the Kua and Cup to the outside, to the inside. And I believe that mismatch is too great. Other side of the ball, the fact that Sean McVay knows every weakness Jared Goff has, he can relate it to Raheem Morris. I think they're going to cloud the middle of the field. I think they're going to force him to throw outside. I think the running game is going to struggle a little bit. So, yeah, I see the Rams pulling this one out. Alan, where you at? The Sam Sam Laporta missing the game, I think, is way bigger than people are are, are thinking about. You say the, the line's not going to move for a tight end, but the Rams guys are seven and one over the back end of the season here. This is like you know everyone thought this was going to be a five win team, right, guys? I mean, this is a Super Bowl experience team. Uh, I think the biggest mispriced line of the week. I'm taking the Rams money line. I got it at plus 145. I got it at plus 140. I think I'm still going to keep throwing. I'm going to empty my bank account right now after this and, and put it on the Rams money line. <laughs> now, Alan, down in Jacksonville, Florida, do you have a guy or do you use an online book? Well, we're legal now down here. Okay. We have, right. yeah, the Hard Rock uh, app is legal and it's opened. Do you miss the old days of living on in New York and having a guy? Oh, yeah. No, I miss getting my legs broken when I forget to pay. I forgot about the paper bag. I, I love, you know, used to call up and say, give me a 10-timer. Remember that l- lingo? 10-timer, 5-timer? Speaking my language. Speaking my yeah. language. And I, guys, I'm going to say I agree with you, and I think that the the offseason is going to have a lot of soul-searching for Dan Campbell uh, when the Rams beat them because the decision to kind of go for it and use Sam Laporta was very short-sighted for a team that nearly beat Dallas like two weeks ago looked like they had a lot of momentum. You have the the attempted two-point conversion in that Dallas game from the 7-yard line followed up by using Sam LaPorta. I think that this is going to be a lot of soul searching and I think that those decisions are going to be amplified that Dan Campbell made late in the year and I think that the Rams go in there and get a win and it's Pukunakua. I think Pukunakua has a fantastic game. Yeah, Theo, do you realize if that two-point conversion would have uh stood that they would, uh, the Rams would be playing Dallas right now. Very interesting. Would have been, would have been, been a, a tremendous turn of events. So that would have yeah. ended up being Green Bay against Detroit. Yes. And Damn. and and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the you're the the football guy here. But in Allen's scenario of them getting the two point conversion to win, what if they would have just kicked the extra point and and won in overtime? Would that have counted the exact same way? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I think it would so have too. Done I think so right. too. I'm just I doing think... a what if. I'm doing a what if. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, I, love I, I, I love it for sure. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about another really, really fun game. Houston, Cleveland. Houston with CJ Stroud hosting the Cleveland Browns. Very, very tight game. This is like a two-point favorite for Cleveland. Cleveland with that tremendous defense and the incredible storyline of Joe Flacco. It doesn't get cooler than uh, CJ Stroud, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco could be his father. That's how old he is. Jim, where are you at in terms of who wins this game and who you're looking at for fantasy football? Three things. First of all, Denzel Ward tweaked the knee in practice, and we don't know his status. That worries me, but he's questionable right now. But the the two main things here, CJ Stroud is great against zone coverage, like number 26 or 27 against man. Cleveland plays one of the highest man rates in the league, and they'll probably ramp that up. That's a big negative. On the other side, Houston, the defensively, they are horrific against play action 
And guess what? That's all Kevin Stefanski does. So I think those styles make fights. I think that's problematic for Houston. I do think the Browns win this one 23 to 16. Look, for fantasy, the low-hanging fruit is Amari Cooper, 265 and two touchdowns last time. He could do a third of that and have a good fantasy day. Jerome Ford is, is live here in a PPR setting because they like to throw to the running backs, and Houston will give up receptions to running backs. So I think Ford is good. And um, look, there is no really good play on Houston, but Nico Collins, of course, would be at least a floor play. Alan, where you at? Yeah, doesn't Houston have the we're happy to be here sort of vibe going on too, guys, right? Like, I love this team. Everyone loves that they're here. I expect a, a, a good slugfest, but Houston's like a like Detroit from last year, like really optimistic about them. They Obviously, Detroit didn't make the playoffs, right? Uh, but th- that's more or less how I feel it there. Um, if you had to comp C.J. Stroud to guys, I'm just curious, to uh, like a, any quarterback, uh, what's his upside comp? I mean, I was I asked this to uh, to one of my colleagues yesterday, and they said like, not kidding, Joe Montana, the way he navigates the pocket. I was like, wow. I was like, you sure about that comp? Just the way he's able, you know, it's not like super fast or anything like that. But who have you guys seen and uh, that that CJ Stroud reminds you of from a historical comp? I think he's. I, it's hard to like put a, a finger on what he's at historically, because to have a young quarterback like this who is so able to pick up the pass rush and sort of navigate the pocket and kind of make up for having a pretty okay offensive line. Like for me, CJ Stroud is kind of, I don't want to say mold breaker because I don't think he'll be like the greatest quarterback of all time. But I think in terms of like trying to find like a comparison, I think he's more of like an amalgam of like a lot of top notch quarterbacks and their traits. I think it's a little bit of a cop out answer, but I don't think he's a little bit, a lot of bit of a cop out answer. It's complete. Jim, show him how it's done, Jim. Show him how it's done. Well, I'm not going to because I need a lot more evidence on CJ Stroud. The fact that he's the fact that he's top five against um, zone and he's bottom five against man. Bobby Slowick's offense schemes that receiver open like that, but the fact that he still struggles against man in that scenario with that offense that tells me next year we're going to see a big unfolding in what he really is. But I think those splits make it very hard to know what he really is. Pouring cold water on CJ Stroud. Okay, he's got a little bit of a little bit of young Mahomes to him, Allen, in the fact that he can move and 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 make big passes on the on, on the move. Yeah. And I'll say. In terms of a pocket presence, gosh. I mean, the way he, like, shakes the rush and stuff. I, I thought the Joe Montana one was good. Joe Montana's not... a really good one. That's yeah. a really good one. That's right, old Dad. school, though. They're going a little yeah. old school. We got our, My listening oh. base Boy. is not that old. I mean, no, Joe Montana is a Mount Rushmore quarterback. You, you can go as old as you want when you talk about Mount Rushmore, guys. And a shout out to my older listeners. You know, I know you guys are out there too. Appreciate everyone. Yeah, Theo's no. big with the uh, the with the, the millennials. Actually, yeah. the millennials are old now. It's uh, yeah. the Gen Zers. Gen Z. <laughs> Jim, how old, what's your daughter? She's a Gen Zer, right? Um, if if it's, if a fifteen year old is that, then that's what <laughs> no, she is. I don't think she. I don't think she qualifies for that. She's something that they haven't named yet. I would guess. Okay. I think the Gen Zers are are a little older than like the fifteen. I'd have to look that one up. The TikTokians. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 15 she'll be on something different in like five years there'll be something yeah. we don't even know about and um, fyi i'm with you guys I, I i theo didn't weigh in but cleveland man how how, how can you not pick them they're they're oh, cleveland hot, right? i'm on i'm yeah. on cleveland yeah and i think cleveland i'll double down on this i think cleveland has a little bit of team of destiny to them and i think that the mark andrews loss the keaton mitchell loss it all catches up with baltimore and i think cleveland actually goes into baltimore gets a win yeah it creates a path for kansas city buffalo uh win or you know for that matter probably buffalo for me 
Buffalo to make the AFC uh, title game and then have a win against Cleveland in Buffalo. I think that'll set up that way. Use, um, using Jim Coventry's playoff rankings, I got a lot of Cleveland on my playoff teams. This year. Love Cleveland. <laughs> love Cleveland. That, I mean, that defense alone. And then the Joe Flacco has just been so tremendous, you know, ever since he took over. It, they've got like that. It doesn't feel like the story is going to end that quickly, just the way the vibes are. Uh, speaking of vibes, one team with really bad vibes right now is the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles have started the year out, got to 10 wins so quickly, and then it's sort of been a slow drip and then a, a massive drop with the quality of play, the offensive output, so many factors. People are rampantly criticizing you know, both sides of the ball, coordinators. Nick Sirianni's getting, you know, you saw the the Philadelphia sports radio takes that we should just hire Bill Belichick, get rid of Sirianni already. I mean, it's getting wild in the Philadelphia streets in terms of like the narrative with the team and the fan enthusiasm and all that. Jim Coventry, they're a three-point favorite on the road in Tampa Bay. They played earlier in the year. I believe it was also a Monday night football game. Uh, Philadelphia handled them. This time it feels a little bit different. Where are you at on this game and who are you looking at for fantasy? Both of these teams are trending down horribly. Look, two weeks ago, the Bucs played the Saints for the division. They didn't score a point until garbage time. Last week, they needed to win at Carolina. They didn't get a touchdown. Three field goals. They should have lost that game. Baker Mayfield, a new injury every week. Mike Evans has been bracketed 70 yards or fewer in four of his last five. The Eagles are terrible too, but I think they can use their offensive line. They can actually run the ball here, get it to Goddard a bit. I think that gives them just enough to outlast them 19 to 13. Alan. Yeah, the, if you're going to be gambling on this and you do want to take the points with uh, Tampa Bay, I, I'd put it in a parlay with the player who you think is going to win Tampa Bay the game, right? And that's obviously Mike Evans, guys, right? I mean, yeah, they're going to win Mike Evans. So if I, I saw something on um, on Hard Rock that had Mike Evans 100 yards, Mike Evans anytime touchdown, uh, Tampa Bay win. So I think that those are all connected. So I, I agree. Like this is like one of the harder ones to call. If I'm just going to pick a team, I'm not betting against Philadelphia, despite the downtrending, especially when it's Tampa Bay. Baker's been a little banged up with the ribs and this, that. So um, this line should probably be more like four, but I understand why it's three. I think you nailed it. The line is basically they're asking for Philadelphia money. And I think that this is a, we saw Tampa Bay host this exact game last year. The last wild card game of the week, Dallas goes in there and absolutely destroys them. This year, I think that the, there's going to be some vibes for this Tampa Bay team. They were supposed to be one of the worst teams in football. They get into the playoffs. I think they sneak one out at home. I think it is Mike Evans. I think it's tunnel vision. Banged up Baker Mayfield, tunnel vision for Mike Evans. Mike Evans has a very big game. They beat Philadelphia. And there's all sorts of crazy storylines in the offseason with this Philadelphia Eagles team. Guys, when we come back from break, we're going to do a 2024 quick mock draft. Uh, but first from that, we got to get a word from the FFPC. And if you want to compete against me, Billy Muzio, and a lot of other people in the FFPC playoff challenge, you can use the code UNDERWORLD and get $25 off at sign up. They have a $35 contest that can win you $100,000. Using our code, you can sign up and do that contest for $10. There's also a $200 contest that will win you a half a million dollars if you win it. And there's over a million dollars in prizes. We'll be right back here at Press Coverage. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. 
Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to Press Coverage. Theo Greminger with Jim Coventry and Alan Soslowski. All right, guys, we're getting after it. This is 2024 redraft PPR. We're going to basically essentially do a ranking show here, but we're going to do it in a draft setting. Alan and I had an opportunity to do this with uh, Dynasty Top 12, but we haven't done two rounds yet, Alan. We're going to try to rip through this one. Let's start right how we're looking. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'll start with Jim Coventry. The 101 Jim, interesting. It's probably going to be a running back, but there's two other guys, I think, in contention. Which way are you going with your with the 101? With two seasons of full health, I know age is starting to get there. I cannot go against McCaffrey in a Shanahan offense. He keeps him out of danger a lot as well. Doesn't make him grind hard between the tackles. So to me, usage doesn't have to be through the roof. Production, the floor is insane. Let's not overthink this one. Christian McCaffrey, roll it again. Alan, any any difference at the top, or are you going the same? Yeah, way no, I would take CD Lamb number one. I just because, like I said, just because, and I agree that Christian McCaffrey is going to be the pick, but I, I just can't. I don't want my season to end on a running back injury. I wouldn't be able to live with myself, uh, especially age twenty eight. But yeah, I, I I would say that McCaffrey is probably going to have another full workload. I would have no. He's my number two, but CD Lamb. I mean, he's the number one guy. Dak is back. Presumably, either they're going to have the same system or an upgraded system. Uh, if Mike McCarthy doesn't make it through the exit round one of the playoffs, so I'm taking CD Lamb at two. Yeah, and I think you're, you can make an argument for Lamb at one. He's yeah. so good, and I think he's still ascending. He's got the age. You don't have to – It know, just depends, the, Theo, which how you want to build your team, with a running back or a receiver. Yeah, and it's funny because, Jim, I, I think you guys know who I'm going to take here. There's a little bit of indecision about this pick. I've seen some people on a couple of younger wide receivers who were drafted higher last year. But for me, how could you not take Tyreek Hill? I think if we would have done this exercise six weeks ago – Jim might have taken Tyree Kill at 101. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the edge for CMC, if you want to look at him versus Hill and Lamb collectively, is the, the positional scarcity, where there's a couple other wide receivers we're going to take in the first round here that are also capable of finishing as wide receiver one overall. CMC, if he stays healthy, hard not to envision him as RB1 overall. So uh, CMC, CeeDee Lamb, and Tyree Kill off the board. Back to Jim Coventry with the 104. I'm going to be a little crazy here. I'm going to go with Brees Hall. You know, okay. I mean, look, coming into this, if he had the ACL last year, he would have been a top three pick. What I saw with an offense with no quarterback is a player that could get it done. I have to assume they'll have Aaron Rodgers. I'm not, the offensive line didn't even matter for Brees Hall. Brees Hall was still able to get it done. I want a running back. So I, I'm going to go with Brees Hall because he is a mega talent and I could see him having the season. He, he I love it. 
Yeah, he was certainly in contention for the 101 had he not gotten hurt the year before that in 22. So no problem with that. I mean, he was going to go in the next few picks. So I don't think it's that crazy. But you're right. It's not going to be consensus, Jim. Nope. Uh, I, now, when you're when you're choosing the next player, it just it really comes down to um, my flavor for quarterback. And I, I'm more in Joe Burrow's camp than I am in any sort of like Viking situation right now. So I'm going to take Jamar Chase here, just knowing like, again, I, I like Jefferson probably a little better but I have more confidence in Joe Burrow than what the situation as we know today in Minnesota. I I like the argument, but it feels like I'm getting a gift yeah, with another gift inside of it and another gift inside of <laughs> it, like beautifully wrapped with a beautiful bow on top to be able to get Justin Jefferson at six overall. So I'm, I think this is a no brainer for me. And I, I like Jim's thoughts on Brees Hall. I think when push comes to shove, it's probably better to go with the two wide receivers than Brees. I think Brees is a little closer to 106, but I understand uh, Jim's rationale and the chance of Brees Hall with the with the RB1 overall season. But I, I like our top six so far. So just to recap, if you're listening on the pod, so far it's Christian McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Brees Hall, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. Back to Jim Coventry with the 107. I have to think that Brian Johnson is out of town in Philadelphia's defensive coordinator. Crazy. He was actually asked to be a head coach candidate somewhere. I don't know who cooked that one up. But that said, A.J. Brown has to be my pick because, look, Brian Johnson tanked that offense. Jalen Hurts was hurt all year. But A.J. Brown was close to a 2,000-yard pace until the wheels fell off there. And he's been healthy for the most part for Tuesday. I know he dinged his knee last week, been mostly healthy. I'm going A.J. Brown because he also has seen the volume, and he could be the wide receiver one as well. Well, you just gave Allen his favorite player in football. So, Allen, go ahead and make the pick. I'm a Jim. I can't believe you did this to me, but I thank you for it. Here, t- come here. Let me kiss you. Come here. Come close to me. Right there, right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you yes. for giving me Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, yes. the guy. The guy's. Flo- he had ten touchdowns this year. That was the one ding on him. We weren't sure if he could score ten touchdowns. Now he's done it. Combine that with everything. This is like Jarvis Landry on steroids to me. Uh, very happy to take him here. So I'll go a little spicy. I, I said that I think he's going to gain a lot in the NFL playoffs. I don't think it's too spicy here, but I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs at the 109. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes down to it, guys, if I would have had this conversation with you in July and said, Allen and Jim, Jameer Gibbs is going to catch like 52 passes this year. Where does he finish uh, in the running back ranks? You guys would have said, ooh, that's terrible. His path is 75 catches. He's probably going to be like running back 24. Finishes as an RB1. Displayed everything you need to have like a 20 point per game uh, season. He's fantastic. He's dynamic. And I think he takes a big leap in year two, much like Amon Ross St. Brown did in year two in the same, you know, head coach in Detroit going what, Jameer Gibbs at the one nine. What could go wrong with a committee running back in we, in uh, round one? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> listen, listen, Alan, we're chasing, uh-oh, we're chasing uh-oh. upside here at the one Oh nine. We're chasing, <laughs> we're chasing elite talents I don't behind an it. offensive line. And I think that at the end of the day, if you, if I said we went around the, the the horn and we looked at running back reception totals on the year, and mm. I said what player could gain twenty five receptions this year, universally, I think we would say yeah. uh, we would say Jameer Gibbs. No doubt. I just think the psychology of the draft room will be that Gibbs ends up being on the a turn pick, or you might even get him at this point in the second round. I just think that's where we'll end up. But you, you know what? Your point is valid. Fair. Back to you, Jim. We're at pick number eleven. Or excuse me, pick number ten. 10, excuse me. So going into the season, 
I anticipated that Garrett Wilson could push for 1,700 yards. Obviously, with no quarterback, he ends up with 1,042. Uh, not Obviously not optimal, but everything I saw from him, uncoverable, can win at every level of the field, and I have to expect to have a quarterback. Uh, I have to expect that Aaron Rodgers can stay upright. And that said, I still hold that Garrett Wilson is a 1,700-yard receiver in this league. I'll just ask you one, one, one question, guys, and this is just kind of a fundamental thing for me when I look at the early, early projections for these rankings and my own personal rankings is I'm with you like Garrett Wilson's right there, but we're talking about two jets in the (laughs) first round. You're asking for consolidation big time. And then for me, like not to have table talk here, but when I do my initial rankings, I end up with three Detroit lions in the top 15. Is this scare you a little bit, Jim, that we're talking about the most draft capital possible the most ADP equity possible and you're doubling down on an offense that really struggled where we do have like some questions at quarterback like Aaron Rodgers we think will be the quarterback there next year but we haven't really seen it yet and now you're pushing those two guys because last year you had Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers as like a one-two turn pick early second but Brees Hall you were getting at a discount now we don't see anything with Rodgers we just see the elite talent and now both of those guys are inside your top 10. Is there any like trepidation with that? Well, remember, you only have one first round pick. So the fact I took them both, if I'm picking early, I would oh, take no, one no, of no, them. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean I don't mean for your team build. Yes. I mean so, for your personal ranks. You're putting it, you're doubling down for your yes, top 10. So basically. he had 168 targets this year and 147 last year. The target share is going to be right there with Jefferson, oh. with Brown. So now we're talking, he I he is no worse of a player potentially than Justin Jefferson. Or even yeah, Jamar Chase. He, I mean, he. So look, if Aaron Rodgers is there, remember the Devontae Adams day, thirty-three yes. percent target share. Well, you you really think that he's not going to throw him the ball thirty-three percent of the time? They're going to throw him the ball. Nobody else is really going to see the ball much. That paradigm has been there already. And Brees Hall is going to obviously be the other one who gets the work with that defense. He's going to get running and so it's gonna be a two-man game with Rodgers nobody else is really gonna see the ball there so no I don't have any apprehension they don't have to be a top 10 NFL offense if they're only using two guys to be to be strong offensively it's a a consolidated tree so to speak right they're not gonna throw it anybody else unless they get a I'm completely with you Jim I'm just saying that like my top 16 I have two teams represented with like five of the picks yeah and that always like gives me a little bit of pause but I'm sure. completely with you. Like Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are truly elite talents. And if we get the kind of consolidation like you and Alan think, then both of those guys could be potential league winners. I love the consolidated target tree. We're already talking consolidated target trees <laughs> in January. It's awesome. Alan, keep us going here. And, and by the way, and, and if Rodgers is on like ayahuasca or something, he'll think that number 17 Garrett Wilson is Devontae Adams anyway. So that's yes. right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think once uh, the Falcons hire Mike Vrabel eventually here and uh, they, he brings in Ryan Tannehill to stop the bleeding, that uh, Bijan Robinson is back to being like Derrick Henry basically here. So I'm going to take Bijan Robinson, assuming they're going to get a uh, stabilizing force that understands how to feed a workhorse running back. And I understand, I know Tyler Algier is, Algier is there. By the way, if Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta, this is a bad pick. Okay, so you're 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 putting a coaching a coaching caveat there. Is that because you're worried about another potential R running back oh. by committee? 
Yeah, right. I mean, since when do you remember for decade or for like 15 years? It was, oh, don't draft the Patriots running back because of Bill Belichick. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Ridley. Who was the guy that got three touchdowns and then was benched the next week? Was it Ridley? Ray. No, no, it was oh, Ray. right, 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 right. Noah so Gray. Yep. Noah Gray. No, not Noah Gray. Jonas. Jonas Gray. Jonas Gray. Yeah. So as I'm saying, and then, you know, you could see Bill Belichick going, oh, uh, you know, Tyler Algier, the veteran, he's a good practice (laughs) player. And now we're back to like, you know, 15 carries and two for Bijan. So yeah, if this is a Vrabel offense, I'm very confident that um, Bijan Robson will return first round value next year. So for me at the 112, I could go with a pair of Rams. I think they both make sense right here. But I'm going to go with Pukunakua. And Pukunakua, I think we're on a new watch here, guys, because Pukunakua has a chance to break the two-year record for most receptions by any NFL uh, wide receiver in history. It's Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown tied with 196 catches. So we're we're right there for Pukunakua to break that record. And I think Pukunakua just showed so much, finishes his wide receiver four overall, I think it's just going to be more of a gap between him and Cup. You're not going to see as like a random Cooper Cup out targets him type game. And I think he really becomes the focal point of the offense, even more so in year two. He also, guys, I'll use a, another word we love to use in the offseason. He has positive touchdown regression in his yes. range of outcomes. I think he could end up being a big time touchdown scorer because if you watch the way he moves and the way he's utilized, there's no reason why he can't be a dominant red zone threat uh, over the next few years of his career. You get you get two picks, Theo. You're on the hook. Now we're going the other way. Oh yeah, good call. So, I'm gonna go. And- I'll I'll double down. I'll make it easy. Going back to back Rams. I think Kyron Williams is a wonderful debate to have in the offseason as a guy to fade or a guy to embrace at his current value. But here at the one two turn, I think this is about as low as I can let him go. You're talking about that guy that averaged more than 20 points per game. He he was showed he could handle substantial volume, and I think he could actually increase his usage as a receiver. So maybe the volume is not quite as prevalent. They work in the second back, but he's more dynamic and and excels on more high-value touches in year two. So I'll go Kyron Williams. I'm going back-to-back Rams at the turn. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. At pick 14, I'm excited to get Jonathan Taylor standing next to Anthony Richardson, guys, right? Yeah, uh, Taylor looked good once he he got his rhythm back. Uh, no longer a Gardner Minshew offense, so that would be my pick right here. Is there some risk? Sure, but not in the second round. Doesn't matter. You got a high upside guy who can finish as the number one overall fantasy player. Jim, you're up. So I'm going to go with DJ Moore here. He finally had somewhat competent quarterback play and he got 1364 yards eight touchdowns only 136 targets it was a month of Tyson Bajant that kept him from having 14 or 1500 yards here I always thought he was one of the elite receivers in the game now the Bears already fired Luke Getze so hopefully the bad franchise makes bad decisions hires a decent offensive coordinator but whether it's the first pick in the draft that they get a new quarterback that should ensure that Moore finally sees that target share but I think he's gonna get a lot more targets than he got this year and he's an elite player his health record has been excellent and that's going to be important we saw so many players with bad health records kind of tank us this year i'm gonna go with dj Moore. love that one i think he would have gone in this round anyway you're getting your guy alan yep. where, where are you at Okay, I'm up again. Uh, I, I think I'm gonna. St- I, I'm not gonna steal your guy here. I I still like uh, the Jaguars to figure it out next year. Um, if I'm ta- if I'm thinking running back at this point, Travis Etienne. 
it, it, you know, he had pretty good, uh, amazing start to the season, tailed off a little bit there. I still like him, and I still think there's more upside. I think Travis Etienne is one of the few running backs that can finish as the number one overall player and then be on the cover of all the magazines the following year. Uh, I know he's not going to – his ADP might not be this high once we get into draft season, but I'm going to take him here. I, I like Travis Etienne. His season becomes more impressive if you look at it as kind of a de facto year two instead of treating him as a mm. year three guy because he missed that entire first season. Right, He's had, all, had to also deal with now multiple coaching staff. So I think there's something there. You certainly saw a lot more trust from Doug Peterson for ETN in year two than in year one. Maybe it becomes even larger. You also have the fact that Calvin Ridley's a free agent and that offense could look different uh, next year. For me, at at sixteen overall, like a couple weeks ago, I would have definitely gone Laporta here, and I think there's an argument to be made to take Laporta even a little bit higher. I'm very much in the pro Laporta uh, camp, but now with the injury, I just like it's nothing serious, but it kind of opens my eyes. And also, I got sniped on this guy recently in one of these mock drafts, so I'm gonna flag plant. We've seen last year we saw a tight end, uh, a tight end one overall be a rookie. We've seen it several times at the running back position historically. And last year we had Pukunakua finish as a top four wide receiver. We've seen Justin Jefferson finish as a top six wide receiver. Jamar Chase finish inside the top five, top six as a rookie. Some year we're going to see a rookie wide receiver finish as wide receiver one overall. I think we have a truly elite player that's going to be drafted in the top five this year. I'm going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. at 16 overall this year. And the argument that landing spot matters, the only landing spot that I don't love for him would be Jim's. Because as good as I think that Chicago offense could be with him and DJ Moore, it would limit both players' target ceiling. Literally anywhere else, I don't care. Marvin Harrison's going to step right in. Even one of these teams that has a potentially bad situation might say, I'm going to target Marvin Harrison Jr. 150, 160 times. He's that good a player. I think we can put Marvin Harrison safely right now um, at Arizona, right? It seems like the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks at this point. Obviously, things change. So that would make Marvin Harrison um, fit right into Arizona. Uh, my next pick, guys, uh, I- I'm thinking that how do the Houston Texans not sign Saquon Barkley, right? I mean, that's the only piece they're missing, and then they take the next step. So if Barkley's here in the middle of second round and it's before free agency, I'm going to almost behave like he's there already because once he's in Houston, he's going to shoot right up into the first round. We had this discussion on the Sonic Truth uh, Dynasty podcast, Alan, about how Houston is now number two to in the, like the odds. A lot of these books are putting out like where free agent land odds. I mean, it would be in, it would be incredible for Saquon and his dynasty value, his redraft value. But where do you see that going, Jim? Do you think that the New York Giants are just going to franchise tag him? That's the dumb question I had. He was franchised last year, but then he signed a one-year well, deal. No, 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 no. Alan's got the. Alan's got the little wrinkle on this answer. Well, that's what I want to know. That's what I'm yeah. trying to ask her. What's yeah. The so deal Jim, so I did a little digging on this. They can franchise tag him again. That was my point. I think yeah. they can because they they they, they rescinded the franchise. They signed him a one year deal, which means they can franchise him. And so right. unless there was an agreement, do we? And I don't know. I'm assuming there was. Barkley, from a business standpoint, should have made an agreement. You can't franchise me again. Correct. And, and maybe that's there, and we don't know it. But like I said, otherwise, yes. He, he is clearly going somewhere else and getting away from that god-awful line. But no, I was going to take Barkley if you didn't because like, there's no way a player that special can be falling this far, especially if he gets out of that um, terrible offensive line. 
Am I on the clock now? Yes, you are. You sure. You know what? Look, what we saw this year from Nico Collins was not a mirage. I was on him his first two years in the league, but he got hurt quite a bit. Bad quarterback play. Bobby Slowick's office. He's a true, true alpha. Give me Nico Collins with C.J. Stroud because that quarterback is going to keep getting him the ball in this offense. Well, let's talk about that because I think that's an interesting argument, Jim. We saw Tank Dell putting up exceptional numbers. We've seen we've seen uh, you know Nico Collins put up two 190 uh, yard weeks recently, but it's not like a true like consistent volume guy throughout the year. There's been like a number of like spike games with it, but you're seeing. Nico Collins as the wide receiver you would rather have next year than Tank Dell because I think there's a big split among how people are viewing that situation. You want to elaborate on that a little yes, bit? Yes, I'm glad you asked. See, I always view it from an NFL perspective. And from an NFL perspective, there are specific roles in an offense. I'm going to make a correlation. I'm not comparing these players first. Jamar Chase is a rookie, blew the lid off of everybody's defense. The second year, they're like, oh, yeah, we can't give up these explosive plays. We have to put a shell over the top, especially for him. And Jamar Chase is still a superstar, but you notice – he, has, he doesn't have games more than 130 yards much over the last two years. Well, the league adjusts to that. Tank Dell, who is getting way past defenses, not Jamar Chase, but defense are going to say, oh, no, 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 you're not getting behind us. And once Tank Dell, Tank Dell can't get behind you, he'll still be a very good player. But he loses those 40-point weeks, those 35-point weeks. Nico Collins' role as an X receiver takes the contact off the line, runs the slants, schemed into space. His role will not change depending on defensive formation. He will be the go-to player because he'll always be reliably where you need him and when you need him. And the other the other thing is, guys, remember, the, the psychology of the draft room is going to remember that Nico finished the year like a Superman. And let's say, let, you know, let's say they have a loss in the playoffs and he still has another 100 yards. Tank Dell, they're going to remember, got hurt. I, I believe that uh, they'll be close in ADP, but Nico Collins will be the favorite just based on recency bias alone. So for me at this point, legitimately on my list, I have about three wide receivers, maybe four I could make an argument for. I have my tight end one overall, which makes sense here. But I'm going to double down what I talked about earlier in the show. I think 19 overall for Devon A-Chain might look laughable when the time when we get to actual drafts next year. Because again, if he can have a big, fan, a big NFL playoffs, Jim Coventry is projecting them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. My guy averaged 17 and a half points per game as a rookie. This was the most uh, a rookie has averaged since Najee Harris's uh, rookie season. I think that Devon A-Chain here at 19 overall feels like a really, really strong value, and I'm going to lock this one in. To speed up the pace a little bit, guys, I'm going to take Chris Olave. Nobody's going to want him. Boring pick. Had a, quote, disappointing year, but still the air yards king, right? And I, I think that he's just a star that – probably uh, belongs in the elite tier, but he's not going to be treated as such. You're up, Jim. I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. He still showed enough. They've got to somehow fix something with the quarterback situation. I'm not even sure his contract status is at this point. Um, I don't know if he's, he's stuck there another year, but I still think his floor was so good this year, and he still is playing at a super level. Jim, you might be drafting a third jet. You got to love ah, it. Uh, ah. I, gonna, well, uh, that so, happens. I think we could all agree that you guys, they you guys all are, moved down. You guys are painting me in a quarter. I've said him now three times as an option. I'm going Sam Laporta here at 22 yeah. overall, taking the first tight end off the board, my tight end one for 2024. I think that's going to be early, but I think you're probably 
right, right? Like if he's going to be the tight end one, the question is where will the tight ends be drafted? We can all tell you one thing that quarterbacks won't be drafted in the top 24 picks, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right here is where I'm going to take a little bit of a, a what I'm going to call a reach. And this is going to be my Brandon Ayuk spot, right? Second round this year. Uh, I thought about some of the older 30 year old wide receivers, but you talked about in the beginning of this podcast about players that could ascend to the elite level. Brandon Ayuk, why can't it be him if he just dominates the playoffs this year, guys? I'll take him on that uh, that whip around right there. Pick twenty. I would have. Ta- I almost took him right with with the quarter. Great, great pick. You're end up, it, end it for us, Jim. The last I'm going with, give me Amari Cooper. Look, he two years in a row. He has been a star player. He still is playing at that elite level, runs routes like nobody else's business. Um, I do think even with Nick Chubb back, the play action game, he is going to command targets. Star player, great floor, and I believe there's a ceiling we still haven't seen. Before we get out of here, guys, quickly recapping the draft. Christian McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Brees Hall, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Garrett Wilson, Bijan Robinson, Puka Nakua. That's your first round. Our second round was Kyron Williams, D.J. Moore, Travis Etienne, Marvin Harrison Jr., Saquon Barkley, Nico Collins, Devon A. Chain, Chris Olave. Devontae Adams, Sam Laporta, Brandon Ayuk, and Amari Cooper. Jim, let everybody know what you have coming up. So this weekend, we'll have man Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Live. You can get the replay. I'll be on right after the show, but catch that later. Be on, with, on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Channel 87, 1 to 3 Eastern on Saturday. And if you want a free look at my playoff challenge article on Roto-Wire, go to rotowire.com slash Jim. A couple days of free access with the, uh, behind the paywall. No credit card needed. Alan, what do you have coming uh, up? I'm actually going to use my time to promote something Jim is doing. Uh, he is doing fifth. Uh, hopefully, you included Theo in this. You better if you didn't did. so far. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. All right. F- Super Bowl 57, 57 analysts and Jim Coventry leading into the week of the Super Bowl to be on the Rotowire YouTube page. 57 different analysts in a two-day marathon podcast. Jim's not going to pee. He's not going to sleep. He's just going to be on until every last analyst has their say. Love it, guys. Really, really appreciate uh, your guys' time. Jim Coventry and Alan Sislowski of Rotowire. Make sure you're following them. Stick with us here at Press Coverage all offseason long uh, and check out all of our, all the other podcasts I'm dropping. First Class Fantasy with Andrew Cooper, uh, A Dynasty Life, Sonic Truth with Alan. I'm everywhere here at Player Profiler. Enjoy the NFL playoffs, everyone. We'll see you next week. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.